Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Okay, so right off the top, you're just going to have to forgive the 4 a.m. still hanging on my voice. The sound that says he said yes to one more beer and then another, and then another, because it's Friday of Combine Week, and I just spent four days in Indianapolis, got back today, boss around nine, on just a couple hours of sleep. It is a long week. I'm not going to say it's quite debaucherous, uh, but it's close. If you've been following along and listened last week, where we talked with James White and explained that basically so much of the Combine is for show, even team to teams, you know, pretending they care about 40-yard dash times and three cones and all the things you see on TV, there's a huge difference in what the combine is about and what it's shown to be on TV. But anyway, here's the plan for today. I'm going to share with you all of the intel that I gathered from talking to people around the league, uh, in and around the team this week in Indy. We're going to talk about the NFLPA report cards, which were freaking fascinating. I loved every single one of them. Just the idea of having like Glassdoor for the NFL or Indeed or any place where you and I could review our employers. The league is doing that now, or the the PA, I should say, uh, as a way to put pressure on ownership. Talk about their team facilities and players' daily working experience. Then we're going to get to mailbag, hit more specific questions about free agency in the draft. Um, But let's get to it. So, like I mentioned. The Combine on TV would have you believe it is this four-day event, Thursday to Sunday, players working out, it's the Underwear Olympics, 40 times changing guys' lives from a 4-3 versus a 4-5, just millions of dollars at stake. It's not really entirely true. What it is, is the NFL's biggest annual social gathering. You have coaches looking for different jobs, scouts talking to scouts, agents for players who are either in the draft, they're going to be in free agents, pushing them onto other teams, executives trying to gather intel from those agents, media trying to talk to everyone. And it all happens starting Sunday until right about now, which is why I've come home. Now, players, of course, are still talking to the media and they're interviewing, and, you know, the, the medicals are really important for the teams. But all this talk that goes around, like all of this literal kind of hot air clustered into these bars, restaurants, Starbucks, whatever, is what the combine is. And so for me, I wrote every single day about the prospects. You can find all those stories in the bostonherald.com. Success was not as much as, you know, I care very much about the quality of the story. Every single story I've ever done, the reporting that matters most. But it was who can I see during the day? And I think this is consistent with other teams and other people around the league because you're just trying to find out some more information. So again, making those connections at night, and hence why I sound like crap. 
Um, that being said, some of the intel you get better than others. You hear a lot of things. You want to confirm it before you share any of it. This stuff that I can say now about the Patriots, where they are in the raw season, as we've documented off to a great start, I can confirm. So off the top, I talked to some people around the league who had a good idea about what the Patriots might do in the draft. No one knows what they're doing with their first pick just yet. Still, again, in the process of gathering information. Um, but I asked for a prediction. What, what do you think is going to happen? To a man, they all said they will either take an offensive tackle or they will trade back. Now, if you've been following Bill Belichick in the first round or just with his first pick, this checks out. Five times he's taken an offensive lineman with his first pick in the draft. He's done it twice in the last five years. Cole Strange, obviously, last year. Isaiah Wynn back in 2018. And the Patriots need offensive tackles. This much is obvious. But it was interesting in just how uniform all of those answers came to be where the Patriots have this 14th pick they could get a corner they could maybe get a receiver they get an offensive tackle or maybe an edge guy like there there's a lot of good quality talent at those positions and especially if we see four quarterbacks go in the top 10 everyone said tackle or I think now more likely in talking to people is trade down where if they do they could still target a tackle Ohio State's Paris Johnson Tennessee's Darnell Wright or Cody Mock, the dude missing his two front teeth, can't miss him, hair down to his shoulders, it's very red, from North Dakota State. So you don't have to be in love with all those names. You don't have to be in love with the idea. But as far as people looking at the Patriots going, you don't have a starting caliber tackle signed under contract after next season. And your only one currently on the team is Trent Brown, who had almost as many penalties as certain offenses this year. An exaggeration, but he was well into double digits. So aside from that, the other big news this week from the Patriots, Bill Belichick, where in the world is Bill? Uh, not at the combine. However, I can tell you he was involved in some of the prospect interviews that the Patriots had. They're 20 minutes to pop. Guys go in the hallway. Every team has a door, small room in this large convention center in the hotels. One room to the next uh, at night. He was there watching some of the interviews virtually from home, back at headquarters, for most of the Patriots coaching staff really was. The coaches that were there, Joe Judge, Cam McCord, the special teams coordinator, Joe Houston, special teams assistant, uh, Mike Pellegrino, cornerbacks coach. And Troy Brown was expected to come. I never saw Troy or couldn't confirm it that he was there. But that was the group representing the Patriots. In addition to a ton of people in the scouting department, Matt Groh arrived on Monday with a small group of executives along with Cam William, uh, their director of college scouting, director of pro scouting, Steve Cargill was there. And so was Elliot Wolf. Busy, busy man, that Elliot Wolf. He is now the director of scouting because team doesn't care about titles, but he got to know it anyway. He met with agents for uh, upcoming free agents. He met with agents for draft prospects and is still, I wouldn't call them co-GMs because A, of course, neither Macro nor Elliot Wolf is the GM. Bill has a final say. It's how it's always been, how it always will be. But Elliot's experience in pro scouting and negotiating some contracts balances out Macro's experience, which is entirely in college scouting. Now, Matt's an incredibly smart guy. Princeton grad wrote a profile of him last year, money capable in that role. And Bill said, you know, he's as good as anyone we've had. And that includes, you know, Scott Pioli, Nick Casario, guys who have literally built three Super Bowl teams along with Belichick. But he is as involved and depended on by Belichick, I think, as much as Mac Rowe is during this time of year where you're splitting your attention between free agency and the draft. And some of the agents will tell you the same, that they'll go through him as opposed to grow, they'll grow handle some of those um, when they're trying to get a hold of the Patriots for whatever they might need. Uh, beyond that, I mentioned Joe Judge. No firm clarity 
on what his role is going to be. And if there is, it's Belichick, maybe judge himself, and that's about it. He's had his hand in a lot of different areas over the last few weeks during the draft process. He's not coming back as a quarterback's coach. That is going to be Bill O'Brien. Bill obviously still has a ton of trust in Joe Judge. He was at the East-West uh, Shrine game after they <laughs> omitted him from the coaching staff list. But he's here. He's got experience, obviously, as a head coach. One year as a receivers coach back in 19, mostly special teams before that. Still has a lot of connections in college. It just, I, I would still bet on him being involved in special teams, but there's nothing definitive yet on the Joe Judge front. Um, okay, so we mentioned corners at the top. Christian Gonzalez, Joey Porter Jr., um, Devin Witherspoon, who I freaking love. I really like all of these guys. I would be surprised if the Patriots take one at 14. Um, a, because I already told you that I think they're either going to trade back or take an offensive tackle. But this is an incredibly deep corner class. I wrote about this uh, for this morning, actually, in the Herald. And what I heard is that the Patriots really like some guys who are projected to go day three. Does that mean that they will draft them? Does that mean they won't dig up something that dissuades them from having that level of interest? No. I also heard things similar about the linebacker group which unlike corner does not have three guys who might go before the Patriots pick at 14 and is one of the weaker positions in this entire class. But as you might've heard in the NFL network broadcast of the East West Shrine game, guys like Isaiah Moore, three-year captain, NC state linebacker, a little limited physically. Can you tell he's a Patriot hits? Well, leader, all this stuff from all the linebackers they ever freaking had under Belichick. They have a good deal of interest in and not just more, but other players. So if you're looking at mocks or thinking about what they might do or what they should do, an opportunity might present itself to add a real talent at either one of those spots. I just think right now, given the depth that they'll probably wait and I'll have a couple more names for you. when We get to the mailbag talking about corner a little bit later, but for now they like some of the guys in the back end, at least at this stage, granted, we're still just under two months away from the draft. Um, two more, actually three more. Uh, the Patriots came very, very close to hiring Ryan Wendell, former bills assistant, uh, former Patriots offensive lineman. He was working with the O-line in Buffalo. He went to the Rams instead. My understanding is the Patriots were hoping um, or may, may have been hoping to pair him with Adrian Clem. And so he interviewed, obviously didn't want the job, left to go to L.A. instead. But he was someone that came basically to the goal line of that decision. A lot of interest on their side, some on Ryan's, and he goes elsewhere and he'll be the lead uh, offensive line coach uh, in L.A. just like Adrian Clem is going to be here uh, on the note of Clem heard a lot of good things wrote about this on Monday talking to Steelers GM Omar Khan a lot of GMs and coaches talk on Monday Tuesday it's really incredible access except for if you're covering one of the three teams that's not represented there the Patriots Chargers and Rams but he talked about energy energy is something you hear a lot with Adrian who has still a ton of friends in the college ranks which extends naturally to agents representing players who are in the draft and just say he tended to get the best out of his guys there was also a linebacker from Oregon, Noah Sewell, who said, you know, the offensive line's technique went up to a whole other level last year. And it was a really experienced group at Oregon. It wasn't, you know, a, a group of first rounders across the board, like when Panay Sewell was there and going top five or six or whatever it was to Detroit a couple of years ago. But five sacks allowed for a whole freaking season kind of says it all. The flip side of that is his one year in Pittsburgh as a lead offensive line coach. My understanding wasn't great. It wasn't anything that was, you know, um, you know, just, just horrendous. But I think the opportunity for him to go back to college worked out incredible payday there around $1 million to Oregon. And so I, I think the Steelers moved on. 
whether that had to do with the personnel or just the fit or the personality, I don't know, but largely very, very good things about Adrian Flynn uh, at the combine. Matt Patricia, he was the first piece of news that we heard, again, coaches speak on Monday and Tuesday from Sean Payton, who said he intended to speak with Patricia about possibly joining his staff uh, in Denver. Patricia obviously interviewed for the defensive coordinator job, didn't get it, that went to Vance Joseph, but Payton, like anyone who supports Matt Patricia, talking about he's a smart guy, He's incredibly hardworking. I know what he's capable of and can help us. He just wanted to talk with his new defensive staff. It took about a month to put together about whether they wanted to bring him aboard. No news on that front. I couldn't dig into anything there. The one thing I did get when asking around about Patricia, though, was a sense of empathy for the position he was put in. Something I think we've talked about a little bit here and that the guy was just put in an absolutely freaking impossible position. And this isn't to say he did any better than he did, which was, which was terribly, but it's one thing to be a first year offensive coordinator, which he basically was. It's another thing to be a first year offensive line coach. And it's an entirely other third thing to do both at the same time. So because of his loyalty to Belichick, who has raised him up to becoming obviously a head coach in Detroit, coming back, having a soft landing in new England to taking this job, it seemed like he might've just had the inability to say no. He's still a grown man, can make his own decisions. It was just a lot of people looked at that situation and felt bad for Patricia, who obviously caught a ton of arrows this season with the way the offense just flatly sucked. Um, does that mean he'll get a job elsewhere? Because right now it looks like if he does come back, it'll have to be in some role in the front office. Also, uh, according to uh, Phil Perry, NBC Sports Boston, front of the pod, Matt had a hand in designing the new headquarters that are being part of the renovation at Gillette Stadium because the Patriots are going to move into those soon. Um so, again, the guy does it all. They ask a ton of him, and teams around the league are looking and going, he just he got a raw deal, and I, you have to tend to agree. Last thing, even though I think I'm one or two past a quota from a couple of minutes ago, um, I don't want to look a whole lot back at 2022. Written the definitive story about what happened with the offense, why things went downhill. There's been a ton of discourse. You want to talk about the combine being hot air. The little I've heard of talk radio or just seen on Twitter and clips about Mac Jones last two weeks, I want nothing to do with that. And it's not because I feel strongly about Mac Jones as being the future of the Patriots, as Devin McCourty called him, or someone who's unfit to lead, you know, or rubs the coaches the wrong way. It's just that I'm ready to move on. 2023 is ahead of us. They've got a new staff. They've got a new plan. They've got a new direction. But I do have one note on 2022 because I've said in the past that my sense was Belichick knew after the Bills game on December 1st, they lose 24 to 10. Prime time, just as conservative as could be, there's a lot of unrest with the players and other staffers that that's when he knew he really screwed up. I heard this week it was around the second Jets game when they win 10 to 3. And it was basically a walk off punt return touchdown by Marcus Jones. And because the Jets at that point had played them a couple weeks earlier, they leave New York with a win, but they ran back the same game plan one that the Colts used in between those meetings with the Jets. And the Patriots couldn't do anything about it. They couldn't block anybody. Scheme was a problem. Personnel was a problem. And even with the bye week to get ready for the Jets, a team you knew, a team you just beat, you couldn't score an offensive touchdown and only had two during that three-game stretch. So we're going to put a bow on 2022. It was a little earlier than I expected. And the thing is then, of course, they go to Minnesota and they score a lot on Thanksgiving. And Minnesota's secondary was just absolute trash. And they played a style that allowed Mac to throw over the middle of the field and down the seams, and that really worked out. And that's how they scored their touchdowns uh, to Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar. But they knew before then that they were kind of in trouble. It was just they couldn't 
kind of steep in it, stewing it because they had four days to get ready for the next game. That's all the intel I've got. Other things, rumors kind of fly around that you catch here and there. I don't want to pass on any of that unless I can confirm it. Um, and again, as far as, oh, you know, what happened with Mac or the coaching staff or just reporting on feelings, I, we're, we're looking ahead. All right. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Um, NFLPA report. So the Patriots in this survey taken by 1300 players across the league that evaluated every single team based on the quality of their facilities and players daily working experience were 24th out of 32 teams. Pretty bad. Bottom 10 working experience. A lot of complaints about the weight room, the training room and travel. They were assigned grades. There were certain comments. As I mentioned, I freaking love this. This was a great kind of insight. There's a huge sample here of feedback. Is all of it accurate? What kind of questions were asked? We don't know how much of that is here. David Andrews pushed back as our, uh, again, friend of the pod, my colleague, Kerry Regan, went to speak to him at a charity event on Thursday. David, of course, company guy, team captain, was probably not going to indulge the 24th ranking or argue for that to be dropped any lower. But, you know, he said he felt like he had everything he needed to do to win. So, uh, again, friend of the pod, Phil Perry, writing today that he talked to some players who said, you know, he doesn't think the the bad grading about the facility is going to impact for agency because, you know, it's very rare. You'll get two teams coveting a player, offering the same contract. Money still speaks loudest. Then it's personal relationships with that team. And then it might come down to the facilities. The other part about this is Gillette, as we just touched upon is undergoing major renovations that are expected to be done before the end uh, or the start of the season here in September. So I'd be very curious to see where the Patriots rank a year from now. I would expect it to be much higher than 24th. Beyond that, I mentioned they got dinged for travel, um, not a ton of room on the planes, people who can stay in the hotel like families at the same time, very different from team to team. Here were the grades, and then we'll move on. Uh, Training staff got an A. Strength staff got a B plus. However, a lot of the strength staffs across the league were rated very highly. So that was actually the 28th uh, rated uh, strength staff across the league out of 32 teams. So it's it's a little bit inflated. They're a little bit deceptive. Nutrition, B, locker room, C plus. They wanted a little bit more room. Training room got a C minus as did treatment of families. Again, kind of freedom of movement. Do they have a room in the stadium to go after games to kind of hang out, travel, et cetera. Travel was a D plus. And the weight room was a D. I see the weight room a lot when we go into the locker room. It's right next door. And there's a curtain that closes every time anyone walks by. And it it's it really isn't that impressive. And that's just someone who has not worked out in an NFL facility ever before. But, you know, it's there's equipment in there that you can tell is at least 10 years old. Like if you if you've been around the gym enough and some of the comments that Phil got were about things that they saw when they traveled to Las Vegas, Taj Mahal, a football facility, as Belichick described it, University of Arizona, brand new facilities in there, that they look at these machines or equipment or whatever it is and just go, why don't we have that? So 
that'll that'll improve again going into the new headquarters they're going to rehouse all the football operations players and coaches on the first floor scouting staff and department on the second the top two are going to be crafts company it's a building on the east side of the stadium kind of close to the to the lighthouse uh and away from the shops at patriot place so i think this will be remedied fascinating though because you don't hear the patriots supposed supposed first class organization get knocked like this let alone be 24th last thing on craft uh, there was a quote in the report. It said, quote, only 64% of players believe club owner Robert Kraft is willing to spend the money necessary for upgrades, ranking him 26th in that category. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts. All right, running on fumes. Let's go to the mailbag. John wants to know. What does the trade market look like for the Patriots currently? Can you see them acquiring a difference maker at any position? Yeah, sure. I mean, they've got the cap space. They rank top 10 in terms of total draft capital. They've got all their picks uh, next year, I believe. If not, they might be missing a fifth or a sixth. But they've got the ammo. They've got the urgency. They've got the window uh, with the rookie quarterback contract, which I think has been overstated a little bit, but still important. The thing is, when we ask GMs and coaches Monday, Tuesday about Guys like, you know, Keenan Allen, Tom Telesco shuts that down. Jerry Judy, we're really happy with him in Denver. And, and you know, coaches and GMs are posturing during a lot of this, like just exuding strength. We want to keep them, muster any kind of leverage they have, even though all of their cap sheets are available. You're looking at the Chargers going, you want to keep a 31-year-old dude with that cap hit when you're 24 million underneath. And they can get out from under it in a couple of different ways. But point being, they're never going to say, yeah, we're super open to this. And the one person who said he is super not open to trading his receiver at all was Duke Tobin, GM of the Bengals, who acted like you had asked to throw in his kid as a sweetener. Like, we'll do Timmy in a second for our first, because when it came to T. Higgins, he's just like, I'm not in the business of making other teams better. If you want a good receiver, go get your own. Those were quotes from Duke Tobin. So it looks like to me, specific to the receiver market, it's very thin. Brandon Cooks could probably be had. I don't think Brandon Cooks really changes your life a whole lot. I think Jerry Judy should be at the top of that list. You know, I'm a big fan of Keenan Allen. Hopkins will be a little bit expensive. At least Jonathan Gannon gave the, you know, we'll see. Like, we might not trade him. And then proceeds to talk him up about, he changes your defensive plan. You really have to adjust him. But the last word he used in his answer, first-year coach of the Cardinals, was he called him an asset. An asset is a word that we use in the trade market when talking about players, or draft picks, or whatever it might be, uh, not necessarily a player that you're going to keep on the team. Because you know what? The owner blew that one for them already. They're in a rebuild. Everyone can see it. And the owner wants to get off that money. $19 million for DeAndre Hopkins. You could argue for or against. Uh, it's at least worth a phone call. So as of now, yeah, they could. I just don't have any names off the top of my head at the one position it would be most obvious. Because then if you're going to trade for an offensive tackle, why not just sign to Juwan Taylor or Mike McGlinchey, who I know – and I owe this to people who listen every single week. I've talked about McGlinchey a lot. Didn't hear a ton of great things about him uh, from people who are closer to San Francisco than I am in the literal opposite coast. Not from a character standpoint, just saying there wasn't as much improvement as you would hope 
from a top 10 pick out there, specifically in pass protection, which is the number one issue for the Patriots uh, moving forward. So anyway, uh, Jordan asked, which day two or day three defensive back can make an immediate impact like Jack Jones and Marcus Jones? This is where I think the Patriots will make a jump at corner. Like they, they did the second round corner thing so many times before. And most of them went poorly, right? Cyrus Jones, Duke Dawson, Razai Dowling, Joan Williams. But it's so deep. And if you're looking at the guys' numbers who are running today, as much as, again, it doesn't really totally matter. Guy like Tay Banks from Maryland. Outstanding ball skills. That's going to be number one requisite for any corner coming to New England. He's got the speed. He's got the size. Plays a ton of band coverage. I like Cam Smith out of South Carolina. Darius Rush is another corner from South Carolina. That's a former receiver, changed over in 2019. The physical tools aren't as great as Cam Smith, but he started the Senior Bowl. We know how much they love the Senior Bowl. Demarcus Covington, who is also a big riser, big winner this week, talking to GMs and coaches uh, about him, was a defensive coordinator at the Senior Bowl. So he got an up-close look. I don't think Rush would make as big of an impact, you know, day two. The one name that I liked a whole lot until he weighed in today and I, I can't believe this number is right. It was Emmanuel Forbes from Mississippi State. It was like Devin Witherspoon for me where like Witherspoon's going to be a top 10, top whatever pick. But I watched two games and I was sold. Forbes, I was the same way until he weighed in at 166 at at least six foot tall today. And that's a guy that Patriots want their corners to tackle well, which is surprising given how Jack Jones was last year and J.C. Jackson towards the end of his tenure. But he had the FBS record for most career pick sixes, six picks last year, three went back to the house. Like this is a guy with ball skills, four days, can play press, can play zone, ask him about his film study habits. You know, he's watching down to the details of certain splits, formations. Other guys here are looking at like the tug of the, the wrist or the gloves when you notice a receiver who thinks he's going to get the ball in a certain situation, how, you know, how, how quickly they jog from the huddle. If it's fast, he might be getting the ball. If it's slow, it could be a run. Like these are guys who are invested in a way that the Patriots want their corners invested in the way that they play. Um, beyond that, th there are some more names. I would just start there, at least with this conversation. Tate Banks, especially from Maryland, who had a great combine so far. Last one from Mike. What? <laughs> I might just go straight to bed after this. Mike asks, what does Mac Jones have to do next year, year three, to earn the fifth-year option in a contract extension from the Patriots? As specific as you can, please, stats, team record, what does he have to show, et cetera? I don't have a definitive answer for you. And I'm not saying we can't get into this because we will here now. I just think there are so many different scenarios of how this goes where let's say Mac Jones has a career year. He is statistically a top 10, top 12 quarterback, but they don't make the playoffs. The same issues about maybe his arm strength crop up in the wrong games. The defense falls out and you could still make the case about receivers not being upgraded enough because again, they're split internally about whether they need to add a big time talent or not. And you go, we still don't know what we have, but what we have seen is probably not good enough where Mac did everything he could, but he's got limitations based on those receivers and how much help he's getting from the defense, which really kept them in many more ball games this year than they should have been on the flip side. Let's say they go 11 and six, 12 and five and Mac plays like he did as a rookie. And you go, how much was Mac driving that winning? You know, if, his, if he has six touchdowns on screen passes where Stevenson breaks a tackle or, you know, whomever it is, Kendrick Bourne takes it to the house. Like, you, it'll show up as a 48, 9, whatever yard touchdown. But how much work did Mac do? Again, driving the winning part of that. 
So I think ideally you look for all of the best positive parts of those scenarios. Patriots make the playoffs. I think that's probably a fair place to start. Mac has the best statistical season of his career. He gets along better with the coaching staff, a relationship that goes both ways. As we talked about before, was in a really bad place for most of the second half of the season. And then beyond that, you probably just need a break or two, but this comes down to how are they going to surround him with talent? You know, how much do things change? Because if you go back to how we were talking about Mac last spring, Pro Bowl rookie, here comes the year two leap. He's been in the system. They'll figure it out. So much has changed over the last 12 months. So for me to say exactly what he needs to do in the next nine or 10 and say guaranteed he gets that extension, it's just impossible. It's something to where I would be lying to you, as we said at the top. I want things confirmed. I want to bring you the goods here on Pat's Interference. So that does it for me, this voice. Uh, time for some r and I'll actually be at the Celtics game, and we're going to talk a little bit more Celtic very, very briefly. It's a Patriots podcast, uh, but been doing a little bit more Celtics for the Herald and NBC Sports Boston. Free agency starts in two weeks. It'll be full gear. We'll have multiple episodes that week to cover the Patriots moves, the ones that they didn't make, um, and then full speed on to the draft where, again, we'll fill in with a little bit of Celtics and Zox coming up then, too, with uh, guests like we've heard from Mike Bonansky, Brian Barrett, others. So stay tuned. Leave us a rating and review. Please, it's been a while. I haven't asked in a long time. Uh, and if you have any, like, OJ or tea with honey, <laughs> send that over, too. Have a good weekend, guys.